If you've got your Bible today, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of the promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. The ruins of Beersheba were already ancient when Abraham went by there to water his flocks. In those days, Beersheba was neither a city nor a fortress. It was just a bunch of deserted uh, wells open to the desert, a man-made oasis, if you will. Excavations reveal that people lived in this area underground in villages there as many as 5,000 years ago. Subterranean homes have been found with complete furniture and living utensils. They almost had to live underground. Like most uh, places in the desert, it's very dry, and in the summer it is intolerably hot. Yet in the winter it can become extremely cold, especially at night. Moving to the old section of the city of Beersheba, we see a rather ill-kept well called Abraham's well. Abraham lived in Beersheba for some time. Later, Abraham's son Isaac lived there and built an altar to God there. And there it was that God revealed himself to Isaac. Today, Beersheba is a flourishing city. It's the chief city in the Negev area. And being primarily Arab, It's an important Bedouin trading base. On the outskirts of Beersheba are some Bedouin tents. Some of the local culture hasn't changed in over 5,000 years. It's not beyond reason that Abraham lived in a tent just like these. It's a ratty-looking, patched-up affair, about 20 feet by 20 feet, from 5 to 7 feet high, During one day, the shepherd will cover four or five miles with his herd, trying to find more grass, which is not located all in one single place. In farming areas, there aren't any fences, and the wandering herds are a threat to the crops. So a farmer or one of his helpers usually lives in the field during the growing season. This is to protect the crops from the wandering Bedouins. A watchman lives on a little raised platform made of sticks or stones 
This was referred to in the scripture as a watchtower. The Bedouin had a pretty meager living. But it was possible for one of these nomadic sheep herders to live entirely off the herd. The Bedouin could get their milk, their meat, their wool for clothing, and from the goat hair, the tent materials for his flock. To travel the southern Palestine area is to be reminded of Abraham. And to be reminded of Abraham is to be reminded of the great faith that he had. His whole life was a great illustration of the kind of faith that every believer ought to have. In five short years, Hebrews, in five short verses, Hebrews 11, 8 through 12, is found a capsule amount of this dynamic faith. It is spelled out in vivid detail in 14 chapters of the book of Genesis. It all begins as this aging man, Abram, is called out by God to go to a new place, to a new country that he doesn't even know where it is. The Bible said he left his own country without knowing where he was and where he was going to be. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine today you being asked by the Lord to go to some distant place, and he just said to you, go up 75. You had no idea where you were going. That's what Abraham did. Some people have enough faith to do very bold things. Abram was 75 years old, well settled in Haran. Everything was going along great. Then all of a sudden, God asked him to pick up to gather together his things, to put them on a wagon, to hook up the oxen, and to go to a different place. These two men, Abraham and Lot, perhaps members of the uh, local club, were sitting close by. They look up from their place of loafing to see Abraham and Lot uh, about to go by in these ox-drawn wagon. Uh, One Led by Abram, Lot was following, they're striking out. The wagons are loaded with their possessions. And beside them, of course, sit their wives. Hey, Abram, one of the spit and whittle guys say, uh, were, were you going somewhere with all that stuff? Where are you going? I don't know, Abram said. God just told me to go. And that's what I'm doing. Can't you just hear the conversation that was carried on in that uh, village in the next few days? Can't you imagine the people saying, well, what in the world are they doing? Have they lost their mind? Somebody probably said, you know, it's a terrible thing for a man to let his religion get the best of it. It's always the people who give God the best of themselves that make the difference. And I want to report to you, as you already know, that Abraham made a great, great difference in the world not only of his day, but also in our day. Thus began a pilgrimage of faith, from which came the people of faith called Israel.
It's almost unbelievable to think of Abram and his wife as being the beginning of a group that has millions and millions and millions of people. But that is exactly what happened, is he followed the dictate of his Lord. This morning I have four points. The first one, the importance of pleasing God. Within the heart of Abraham, there was always a desire to please God. That was his main thing. I want to get up today and please God. I want to get up tomorrow and please God. That was the plan. That was the agenda. Though it may lie dormant, I believe there is within each of us a plan that is given to us by God to actively serve him and to follow the dictates of his heart. Do you want to please God? Listen this morning to Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The first six verses of Hebrews 11 define the faith that pleases God. Here's God's definition of faith. To have faith is to be sure of the things that we hope for, to be certain of the things that we cannot see. Hebrews 11:1. 1. Faith makes hope real. It gives substance to the things hoped for. The word substance is the word for title or deed. By faith, you can know your estate in heaven is as secure or more secure than your estate here on earth. And just think, our Lord has already paid all the mortgage on that one. There's no taxes there. It's a great reward for your faith. Point two, faith gives us confidence. The scripture goes on to say that faith makes us certain of things that we cannot see. People talk about a a leap of faith. Have you ever taken a leap of faith to go from what you were about to something totally different that you felt like God wanted you to do or God wanted you to be? When we think of a leap of faith, we Sometimes think of a little boy up on a high place and he jumps from that place to the waiting arms of his father far below. And the loving parent, of course, catches the child in midair. And you say, boy, that was a leap of faith. Well, the Lord wants all of us to take a leap of faith. It is the foothold of the soul in its leap toward God. Nathaniel had his doubts, and Philip said to him, Come and see. You don't believe in Jesus? Come and see. You don't believe what Jesus can do? Come and see. You don't believe the wisdom that he speaks from his mouth? Come and see. You know, that's the message in all these activities that Brother Jim mentioned a while ago. We're trying to say to people, Come and see. You know, there's a wonderful, loving, powerful Lord that wants to reach out and reach around you and draw you nigh to himself. 
Come and see. That's what we ought to be about as the body of Christ. Christians invite others to try Jesus. Through faith, you can know Christ. Through Christ, we have experienced his presence in our daily walk. You know, it's a wonderful thing as we get up each day to know that we'll not be alone one moment of the day. The Lord is always with us. He's always trying to nudge us in the right direction. He's always trying to help. He's always trying to minister to us. He's always trying to give us insight so that we can better reach out and help another. This is the victory that overcomes the world. The third point, how faith changes us. Let me name some things unseen that faith makes possible to each one of us here this morning. Christians have a new nature which causes us to love God, to love people, and to hate sin. You know, before that, we loved sin and hated God and hated a lot of people. But then we were changed. We were changed by the power and love of God as he reached out to touch our hearts and our lives. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, When anyone is joined to Christ, he becomes a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. Faith in Christ gives a new power to our lives. Isn't it better to get up the next day and to feel stronger than you did the day before? You know, as we implement the plans of God for our life, we grow in strength with each passing day. I've seen people freed from the grasp of hate and harmful habit. Freed from all of that by His power. And as his power resides in us more and more and more each day, then we move further away from those things which would hold us back. Faith in Christ gives to us a new comfort. We know our place in heaven is secure. You know, we're all going to make another move. Some people say, you know, I'm never going to move from here. Well, we're all going to make another move. I want to assure you of that. I want you to be sure that it's going to be a nice place. Our Lord was a carpenter, and he wouldn't put up something shoddy for us when we make that last move. I want you to know that it's a gated community. It's real nice. Everybody's not allowed in there. It's gated. And you know what happens? We get to know some people. We find out some folks that we've never met before. We get to know them. And we have a whole lot in common. We love the same Lord. We love the same scripture. We have the same spirit abiding within us. It's a gated community. It's nice. It's for an ever-expanding body of folk that have turned their eyes and their heart toward Jesus. 
We know our Lord is with us. There's a new confidence in living because of Christ. How does one grasp the kind of faith that pleases God? You must want it. You must desire it. Faith to be sure of the things that we hope for. That's what the scripture says. That's what verse 1 says. When we desire to please God, we have the right kind of faith. When we're moving in that direction, when we're moving on that road, we're going the right way. One person said, you know, I'm really looking for a religion that is pleasing to me. And before that word got out of the mouth of that person, another that was standing close by said, you better find a religion that's pleasing to God. And that's the truth. Do you want to please God? Do you want to do His will? Faith is what you believe. To believe means to get with. Faith that pleases God wants to get with the business of doing God's will. Your faith begins with a desire to please our Heavenly Father. And it continues and it grows in that desire. If you follow the Lord today, tomorrow you're going to have a jump on the day because yesterday was moving you in the right direction. So today you want to please God. You're still moving in the right direction. You know what happens after a period of time? You build up a momentum. You begin to move more quickly. You begin to move to those challenges and those obstacles. And with the grace of God and the love of God and the power of God within you, you begin to move quickly. And those things cannot hold you back. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now all of those rewards are not in heaven. Many of those rewards are here on earth. Some of you have told me uh, your testimony. And in the midst of that testimony, you talked about there was a time in your life when God did a mighty act and moved you forward. And you always look back to that time when God pushed you in the right direction. And thank the Lord, you followed his leading. You know, that's what the Lord wants to do. He rewards us for the faith that we have. Abraham was diligent. In his faith, he exercised great faith in the beginning as he went out, the scripture says, not knowing where he was going. But the word goes on to say, by faith, he lived as a foreigner in the country that God had promised him. Wouldn't it be interesting to move to a place and you had the thought in the back of your mind, you know, someday... I'm going to be in charge of all this. And you look out over a great extent of land and you think to yourself, you know, by God's grace and God's leading, that uh, promise in my mind will come true. Verse 11 actually means it was faith that made Abraham able to become a father, even though he was too old. And Sarah herself, could not have children. He trusted God to keep his promise. And you know, there's a lot of things in life we can't trust, 
but we can trust the Lord. If he's made a promise to you, you can count on it. It is absolutely going to happen. In verse 17 we read, It was faith that made Abraham willing to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice when God put Abraham to the test. Evidently, God had put Abraham to the test numerous times. And every time, Abraham had great victory. Every time, he moved Godward in his life. Maybe there's a test that's come your direction. And you've wrestled with it. You've worked with it. I hope and pray that that you'll let God lead you and guide you and use you as you move through the barricades and the obstacles that come up in front of you. Abraham knew that God had promised to develop a nation through Isaac. And he knew as Isaac was there on that altar that if he was going to kill him, which he was planning on doing, because that's what God said for him to do, he knew that if he killed them, that he would raise Isaac up because a nation was going to be born through Isaac. And Abraham knew that and claimed that promise in Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. Now this is the point. All through life, Abraham was diligent in his desire to please God. I want to please God today, he said. I want to please God tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Each experience of doing God's will undergirded his confidence in God. And so his faith grew. That's what happens to us. When we follow the plan that God puts before us, we grow in our faith. We grow in our strength. We grow as God empowers us to do even greater things for him in the future. The fourth point, what faith is and what faith isn't. Faith in itself is not enough. Faith must have an object. Don't tell me that you believe. Tell me what you believe. The Bible doesn't say, Believe and you will be saved. It doesn't say that. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Abraham didn't have faith in faith. He had faith in God. And that was sure. And God knew it. And because of it, God blessed him in an unbelievable way. Another thing. Feelings are not the same thing as faith. God loves you whether you feel like it or not. You know, sometimes people get up and they think, good night. What is wrong today? God has left me. What is wrong today? I want to assure you that every day when you wake up, the Lord is right there with you. And he loves you And he wants to guide you during that period. We know that he loves us because the Bible tells us that he does. I've heard people say, I don't feel like my prayers are getting above the ceiling. Well, they don't have to. God is inside of you. 
Prayers don't have to go very far, far at all. He's inside of you. Many times our feelings fool us, and there is no spiritual reason not to claim the presence and power of God in our lives every day. In all times, the word of God to you and to me is live by faith and not by feelings. Those feelings that you have will lead you astray. You've got to live by faith. The little girl was in the sixth grade. She had been abused for many years by her father. The state found out about it, and they took her away from that father and placed her in a boarding house, a school that uh, was run by a godly Christian headmaster. The headmaster, of course, uh, knew her story. He knew what the issue had been in her life. And he wanted to help her, but she was so withdrawn and silent. You can imagine that after being abused all of your life. A few weeks went by, and another little girl in the class came up to the headmaster and said, you know that new girl that's here, that new girl, she's leaving notes by the fence at the edge of the playground by that city street. The headmaster was concerned about that, and He said to the classmate, well, the next time she does that, I want you to come and tell me. And she said, okay. Two days went by, and the classmate classmate came in and said, she left another note in the fence. The headmaster said, show me where. And they walked out on the playground and over to the fence. Sure enough, the note was still there. He picked it up. And he read it. This is what it said. To whoever finds this note, I want to love you and I want you to love me. A tear came to the headmaster's eyes as he realized that here was a little girl that wanted to be loved and didn't know how to go about it. If you're here today and you really want to be loved, More than anything else, you really want to be loved. I hope that you can understand this morning that God already loves you. He loves you so much, in fact, that he sent his son to die on a cross for you, for you. Believe in him today, and you won't have to leave any notes anywhere. You'll know that you are loved. Just have faith. This morning, if you're in the house and for whatever reason, we don't know all the reasons, but for whatever reason, you've never trusted and believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've thought about it. You've maybe even tried to pray about it. You've asked other people about it. You've read some books from the drugstore about it. Maybe today would be the day that you quit having activities about it and you do it. You do it. You place your faith in the risen Savior. You say, dear Lord, I want to confess my sins and I want to place 
my trust and my belief, my faith in you. If you'll do that today, then you'll be saved. And the Lord Jesus will reign and live in your heart forever. If you're here with us today, you've been visiting for a period of time, and you really do need a church home, a place to call your home, we want to invite you to come and join with us and be a part of this family. I pray that you would come. I'll be standing down here at the front. If the Lord leads you, just slip out from wherever you are. Slip down the aisle. Come forward. Take a stand for Jesus today. Let's stand together.